Welcome to Morning Soap. At Fusion Church, our desire is that every believer would not just attend church, but also hear from God daily through His Word. As we read the Bible, we begin to see how God responds to things. Doing daily devotions repatterns the way we think, transforms the spirit of our mind, and helps us become more like Jesus. Join us here, Monday through Friday, as various pastors and leaders at Fusion Church share devotion and teaching through that day's soap scripture. Download the current soap reading plan at fusionchurch.cc soap. Good morning, everyone. Happy Monday. Happy start to a new week. Um, as Jen put it, happy Super Bowl Monday coming up, right? Um, and for those of you who may not know my face or my voice on the podcast, my name is Heather Knoll. I'm the Connect Groups and Outreach Director here at Fusion Church. And I have the honor and the blessing and the privilege to get to be a part of this uh, the SOAP team. So I'll be joining into the rotation every so often, hopping on to give the guys a break, um, let Papa sleep in in the morning sometimes, even though he's already here joining us. So um, I just want to start by saying I'm so, um, so grateful, so blessed for this amazing SOAP team that teaches us every single day five days a week going through the soaping, especially when I don't understand something. It's such a blessing having these guys on to, to give their insight and their perspective, um, as well as Pastor Brendan trusting, you know, this team and, and allowing me to be a part of this team. I just want to thank them all so much. I'm so appreciative of of um, of what I get to do this morning and, and come to you guys and teach God's word and just dive into his word together. Amen. As sisters and brothers. Um, a few things before we start, too. Um, if you guys weren't in church on Sunday, you missed a great Sunday. Yesterday was actually the kickoff of our It Takes All of Us series, so be sure to catch that on the YouTube, catch the podcast. It was a great message, so cool. Um, we're about to go into these next couple of weeks in this message series, diving into servanthood and seeing how God's wired each of us to be unique. Um, it's really cool. We have whole kinds of, we have about four different assessments, literally hundreds of dollars worth of assessments for you guys as a church to be taking to come together and just and learn more about yourself, right? So more we know about ourselves. And the more we get to see God in us and working through us, and the more we get to be part of building up his kingdom together as we get to know more about ourselves and how God's wired us to see where we best fit in his kingdom, right? And serving and loving on other people. So I highly encourage you guys, if you missed it, get the message. You don't want to miss it at all. And if you didn't get a chance to yet, take it some time today or tomorrow or the next you know, few days even and go through those assessments, see what God wants to show you and reveal to you about yourself. That's going to be a really, really cool experience for you. Um, this week is also this first week of our connect groups. If you haven't got a chance yet, today's the last day before most of the groups kick off. So get connected into a connect group, join community, get equipped, build yourself up as you build the body of Christ up. Amen. It's going to be an amazing semester. Uh, last, last week when I checked, we had over 230 people signed up, brand new signups for our connect groups, not including leaders, not including our ongoing groups. So it's going to be really, really cool to see what God's doing this semester to build up his community together. So don't miss out on what God's going to do and building up others as well as building up you and get connected, right? Amen. Um, uh, last thing, like I said, I also, I'm also i the connect groups and the outreach director here at Fusion. So a uh, quick short plug. We have five different outreach opportunities coming up this week between homeless ministries and some big sales going on on the weekend, next weekend for our youth. Cumberland County, as well as our DR missions team. So if you're a baker, email me, email outreach at fusionchurch.cc, get connected and, um, and get baking for a good cause this weekend. Or if you're a buyer, bring your cash with you, be a buyer this weekend, get some baked goods, some treats for yourself and your family, and uh, and support these great causes, as well as coming out 
um, this weekend with our teams Thursday night and Saturday morning to love on the homeless, to uh, just pour some love and, and some joy and some good news, especially in a season where there's so much coldness and bitterness outside, bringing warmth to people in those conditions is such a blessing and privilege we have. So yeah, all kinds of stuff, fun, stuff, fun stuff going on this week. So all that being said, let's pray in and let's dive into God's word together. Amen. All right. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much, Lord God, for this morning. I thank you, God, for this opportunity we get to come together as many parts in one body, God. Um, we're listening from all different places. We're logging in from different places, God. And yet we get to come together as one to uh, to hear your word, to get your wisdom, your revelation, your insight, Lord God. Let's pray now, Lord, for your Holy Spirit to move in each of our hearts, each of our minds, each of our homes, Lord God, in our cars as we're driving. Open our eyes, ears, heart, and mind, everything you want to speak and share with your people this morning, God. Um, I pray just for, for fresh, fresh word for each of us, God. I pray that we will, you will take the seed that's planted this morning through your word, God, and grow it to an abundant harvest in our lives. Make us fruitful. Make us people that we can, we can um, pour into others, God, as much as you pour into us. I pray and ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. So. Here we go. Um, so if we're following along with our soaping, today is February 6th. And what's really cool is we're going through soaping uh, in Book of Numbers together. So February 6th, today's soaping is in Numbers 6. All right, here we go. The Lord said to Moses, speak to, <clears throat> speak to the Israelites and say to them, if a man or a woman wants to make a special vow, a vow of dedication to the Lord as a Nazarite, he must abstain from wine and other fermented drink and must not drink vinegar made from wine or other fermented drink. They must not drink grape juice or eat grapes or raisins. As long as they remain under the Nazarite vow, they must not eat anything that comes from the grapevine, not even the seeds or skins. During the entire period of their Nazarite vow, no razor may be used on their head. They, may be they must be holy until the period of their dedication to the Lord is over. They must let their hair grow long. Through the period of their dedication to the Lord, the Nazarite must not go near a dead body. Even if their own father or mother or brother or sister dies, they must not make themselves ceremonially unclean on account of them, because the symbol of their dedication to God is on their head. Throughout the period of their dedication, they are consecrated to the Lord. If someone dies suddenly in the Nazarite's presence, thus defiling the hair that symbolizes their dedication, they must shave their head on the seventh day, the day of their cleansing. Then on the eighth day, they must bring two doves or two young pigeons to the priest at the entrance to the tent of meeting. The priest is to offer one as a sin offering and the other as a burnt offering to make atonement for the Nazarite because they sinned by being in the presence of the dead body. That same day, they are consecrated their head again. They must rededicate themselves to the Lord for the same period of dedication must bring a year-old male lamb as a guilt offering. The previous days do not count because they became defiled during their period of dedication. Now this is the law of the Nazarite when the period of the, of the dedication is over. They are to be brought to the entrance of the tent of meeting. They are to present their offerings to the Lord, a year-old male lamb without defect for a burnt offering, a year-old ewe lamb without defect for a sin offering, a ram without defect for a fellowship offering, together with her grain offerings and drink offerings, and a basket of bread made with the finest flour and without yeast, thick loaves with olive oil mixed in, and thin loaves brushed with olive oil. 
The priest is to present all of these before the Lord and make the sin offering and the burnt offering. He is to present the basket of unleavened bread and to sacrifice the ram as a fellowship offering to the Lord, together with its grain offering and drink offering. Then at the entrance to the tent of meeting, the Nazarite may shave off their hair that symbolizes their dedication. They are to take the hair, put it in the fire as is under the sacrifice of the fellowship offering. After the Nazarite has shaved off their hair that symbolizes their dedication, the priest is to place their hands, place in their hands a boiled shoulder of the ram and one thick loaf and one thin loaf from the basket, both made without yeast. The priest shall then wave these before the Lord as a wave offering. They are holy and belong to the priest, together with the bread that was waved and the thigh that was presented. After that, the Nazarite may drink wine. This is the law of dedication of the Nazarite who vows, who offer vows to the Lord in accordance with their dedication, in addition to whatever else they can afford. They must fulfill the vows they have made according to the law of the Nazarite. Uh, this is the next offering is called um, the priestly blessing. The Lord said to Moses, tell Aaron and his sons, this is how you are to bless the Israelites. Say to them, the Lord bless you and keep you. Lord, make his face to shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. So they will put my name on the Israelites and I will bless them. Amen. God's word. So a lot here, right? So good, right? So good way to start the morning. Um, so we're going to go through kind of a few lines at a time and just unpack all this, right? Because there's a lot there to unpack. Maybe you're familiar with Nazarite blessing. Maybe you're familiar with um, just the term Nazarite in general. Maybe you're not. Uh, maybe you're like me and you grew up uh, with, you know, Bible stories. Maybe you're like my son now who loves watching Veggie Tales. He's been a real kick about um, uh, a Veggie Tale episode called uh, The Search for Samson's Hairbrush. Talking about the Nazarite promise, a little bit of Samson's story. Uh, and so really some really cool ways, you know, we may have grown up in church. We may have heard the story or these kind of things before. Uh, but if not, we'll unpack it together. All right. So starting off here in verses one and two. The Lord said to Moses, speak to the Israelites and say to them, if a man or a woman wants to make a special vow, a vow of dedication to the Lord as a Nazarite. So, um, so the term uh, Nazir is actually a Hebrew term. It means to consecrate. And it's actually derived from the Hebrew wor- root word meaning Nazar, which is to separate. So literally the term Nazarite, it means to consecrate or to separate. It's a time of, you know, vowing to, to separate yourself and see what God's trying to speak to you in the season, right? Um, and there's also not, not just a concept of separation and consecration. It's also a concept of ministerial service involved as a Nazarite. Uh, the Hebrew word Nazir comes from the same root word as Nazir. Spelling's a little different. Um, but we see in a book of Exodus and Leviticus, uh, the word Nezer is, described, is inscribed on the holy crown that the high priests wear as well as on the crown of the holy oil of anointing, they used to sanctify people in the book of Leviticus. So we're seeing how in the Hebrew gets to, you know, the root word of all these different things, um, that the concept of consecration and separation, but also service as a priest and as a, a holy set part, part, you know, person in, in God's kingdom. I mean, in later days too, the word nezer also applies to the term on the royal crown of the kings of Israel. We see this in the second Samuel and Kings and Zechariah. And so we're seeing that this, this term, this idea of being a Nazarite is really separation for a higher calling, for a higher purpose and power and what God wants to do in his kingdom, right? 
Um, and it's not just being set apart for a purpose. It's also being intentionally seeking God, intentionally serving him, not just checking a box, not just, you know, let me just get through this next few days or next few months of being, no, it's like, hey, let's, let's have intentional time of seeking God, you know, and something that's really special too about this. If you're following along with soaping with us in numbers, um, you, you read about recently, the last few days about um, the, the Levites and the priests and Aaron's sons who are being declared the priests and being set apart to serve God's house. What's really cool is this Nazarite promise actually would have, would have allowed servanthood outside the blood of Aaron and priests outside of oh, him. Hey, I'm, I'm not, I wasn't part of Aaron's family. I'm not one of the cool kids. This actually would have allowed you to serve in the, the kingdom. Maybe not in the same way, but you still could have served in God's house because you still would have been following a lot of the same similar uh, rules, like abstaining from wine, uh, not touching dead bodies and having your hair uncut just as the Leviticus priest did. And so it's really cool seeing how, how God's, God sets people apart as a family or bloodline, but he's still coming and say, hey, I still want you as an individual. He cares about the group, the family, the whole, but also about you as the one. He's not saying, oh, because you weren't born this way, you can't be, no. He wants you to be a part of what he's doing in his kingdom. He's gonna make a way of doing it, amen? Whether it's one way or the other way. Hey, there's no excuses here in God's house, right? So what's really cool is, so we take these Nazarites uh, promises, Nazarite vow. It's a combination of separation, of purity and holiness, and servanthood and priesthood, of doing something to bless not just yourself and receive from God, but also give back and bless God's house, right? And something I, I personally love is how it talks about um, if a man or a woman wants to make a special vow. So remember, this is a patriarchal society. You know, back then they didn't have women preaching or women doing soap, you know, they didn't have women really serving in God's house. Even as we're going through soaping in numbers, we're reading about, you know, it says count, count the males, count the men of certain age. And it's very men focused, male focused. But this actually, this Nazarite vow, we've allowed women to, to serve in a, in a capacity and have women the same opportunity to be part of what God wants, of seeking God in a special way. I love this because it, it shows how God, God's an equal opportunity, God, right? It's an equal opportunity, equal invitation for, for his people, his sons and his daughters to draw closer to him and to serve in his house. So now what the, you know, we see in society today, no matter what we're seeing, you know, in different cultures, different, you know, different places, God's a God who wants to have both his people come to him, both his women and his men, his daughters and his sons. And he wants to do it in such a way that he wants to, you know, say, hey, separate yourself. Let me bless you. Draw closer to me, I'll draw closer to you. And we see it's not just, like I said, it's not just receiving, it's also giving back. Like we're talking about this message, message series, right? It takes all of us. It's not just receiving on a Sunday, it's also giving back on a Sunday. Amen. Really good to cool time with the message series and this, this you know, soaping. Um, so Nazareth vow, it would have been a minimum of 30 days or a maximum of 100 days. So you know, from you know, one month to three months or so, give or take. Um, and the reason behind it, a lot of times, it, again, it's a personal decision, right? We go, we all have seasons of fasting and prayer, and when things in our lives that happen, we try and seek God in. And so, uh, so your Nazarite vow would have been made at a time, maybe before or after a major life event, um, such as you know, illness or pregnancy or something else. Men and women could have, you know, sought God as a as a way of getting purified, as a way of seeking Him in a closer way. 
as a way of, you know, of healing, not just physically, but even spiritually from a time of, of, of great stress or pressure in their lives. Um, a time of extra things, we're kind of extra Thanksgiving, extra praise, extra, you know, I, you know, having a baby. I want to take time to praise God and take, you know, days apart to, to separate myself and whatever it may be, you know? Um, we also see a few times, uh, a few special people in the Bible, like Samson or Samuel the prophet uh, or John the Baptist were actually consecrated as Nazarites for their entire lifetime. Before they were even born, they were consecrated to the Lord as a Nazarite. And so we see as we follow their, their story, you know, throughout the Bible, throughout multiple books, of them following the same promises. Of not, or not in Sam's case, not following those promises, right? Of not drinking wine, um, or having your hair cut, or touching dead things. And we said those are the people that God used in a powerful way because they were consecrated, because they took time, or they were, you know, they were um, guided to seek God in a certain special way. He blessed that time with them. And there's also some evidence too to support uh, K- King David's son Absalom, as well as the Apostle Paul, who actually took vows of as a Nazarite for a period of their lives too. Um, going down a more to verses uh, three through eight talks about what exactly like what exactly means to be a Nazarite. What rules are you following? So, you must abstain from wine and other fermented drink. It must not drink vinegar made from wine or other fermented drink. You must not drink grape juice or eat grapes or raisins. As long as they remain under the Nazarite vow, they must not eat anything that comes from the grapevine, not even the seeds or skins. During the entire period of the Nazarite vow, no razor may be used on their heads. They must be holy until the period of their dedication to the Lord is over. They must let their hair grow long. Throughout the period of their dedication to the Lord, the Nazarite must not go near a dead body. Even if their own mother or father or brother or sister dies, they must not make themselves ceremonially unclean on account of them, because the symbol of their dedication to God is on their head. Throughout the period of their dedication, they are consecrated to the Lord. So in this moment, just coming off of Daniel fast throughout the month of January, you know, we had no meat, no sugar, no caffeine, no fried foods. So some of us may be looking at this like, wow, that's it. Sign me up. Okay. No grapes, no haircuts, no dead things. But I'm in, let's go, you know? Um, but really, look at the historical context of what that really means. It's, a, it's a, actually a lot harder than what we we may consider nowadays, right? Um, so back then, wine and any kind of you know, grape juice was a very ceremonial, uh, ceremonial feast. Uh, they used these different things for, you know, very, uh, parties and gatherings and feasts, like holy feasts even. Wine was a very big part of that. And so... We see how it could be something holy, right? But it also could be about, um, we still see nowadays the same thing as was back then, how those kinds of drinks and things can lead to unholy practices, can lead to debauchery and things going wrong. And so this really was a way to separate themselves as a Nazarite from that temptation, from those things that could go, you know, could go wrong or had no pun intended, but go sour in their lives. And listen, I'm going to seek God in a, in a holier way right? Um, grapes were also symbolic in that time of fruitfulness, of sweetness, of blessing, of favor, of, as one scholar put it, all the best this world has to offer. So when you're looking at, oh, it's just grapes. I can pass by grapes. I'll get a banana or an orange instead, or I'll, I'll skip the trail mix. I'll just grab, you know, some crackers instead. But in that time, grapes were really important. Grapes were something that symbolized, uh, import, had important symbolization, of, of sweetness and of blessing and favor. And so essentially you can't just, you know, and they're all around that time. It's very, you know, bountiful 
um, fruit, very staple fruit food in their culture. And so that time you're you're literally saying, I'm I'm gonna pass on the fruitfulness and the sweetness of life. I'm gonna I'm gonna separate myself from all the best the world has to offer not in, in order to seek God in a new way. Not getting a haircut, right? That long hair was actually an outward symbol of commitment to the Lord. It was a physical and unmissable sign, whether it's your beard or if women long hair, right? Um, especially in a time when, when think about it, when you weren't showering every single day back then. So, so we, and women, if we go two days or three days to getting our hair washed, we know how that feels. Guys, if you guys, you know, let your beards grow a couple of days too long and gets itchy and scratchy. You're like, oh man, you know, you know how that feels. So imagine not washing your hair, having long hair or a long beard, and not washing it for a month or two months or three months, right? I have, you know, it's, it's something we don't think about in the, our culture now, but, but, but you know, back then, hygiene practices and um, and just how we we looked at people looked at each other was so different. So back then, that would have been a time you would have noticed if someone had long hair. You would have noticed if, you know, they weren't as clean as they could have been on the outside because they weren't showering or it's even harder to shower, right, with long hair. And so uh, so taking that time for people to physically see the outward of what you're doing inward, it means something. You know, we, we, we kind of don't think about it as much anymore, but that outward appearance, it meant just as much then as it does now, let's be honest. And so taking the time for people to see what you're doing outwardly as a reflection of the inward, it means something. It's something that God's calling us to do sometimes is to set apart and say, hey, to, st- to stand in faith, to stand in, in public declaration of our faith. Amen. Um, also talks about not going near a dead body. Because in that period, you're trying to be purified inwardly. And so that has to reflect outwardly too, right? Again, it's a time in a culture where, where death and disease, especially physical disease, could be passed on. And so if you're taking time, especially if your hair is long, longer hair has a, has a greater chance, a greater risk of carrying diseases. We, we see that now with, with lice, right? If someone has a, like a lice in their house or like um, like it's lice in schools sometimes, and like you know how hard that is, to get rid of lice or some kind of a physical, you know, something like that in your hair. Same thing back then, right? And so having that time to, to really, you know, focus on purifying yourself, not just on the outside, with not by not touching, but on the inside was really key. It's also an expression of seeking life, literally seeking eternal life through a relationship with, 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 God, with God in a closer way over temporary death or physical death, right? So all these things sound really super specific and really detailed. And maybe you're hearing this or reading this and you're like, okay, God, but why? What's the point of all this? So to summarize, a Nazarite vow was a period of setting someone apart from behavior and the mindset of the world, denying their flesh of worldly sweetness and fruitfulness, committing to intentional outward expressions of their faith, and seeking the eternal life over earthly death. It sounds like I said really, you know, detailed in this and that. But what we saw, we've been seeing in numbers, right? We're reading. Our God's an intentional God. He's a God of the details. So big picture, big, de- you know, overlooking everything. It's just taking the time to set yourself apart in ways God's calling you to, in ways to see what's God doing more in your life, right? Um, verses 9 through 12, it talks about what happens if someone dies in Nazareth's presence. What happens if, if you know, um, there's a death near them or around them, or they become un- ceremonially unclean in some way? Uh, skipping down a little bit, um, it says, the priest is to offer, oh, here we go, the priest is to offer, um, one as a sin offering and the other as a burnt offering to make atonement for Nazarites 
to the sin by being in the presence of a, of a dead body. They're offering uh, either a dove or two young pigeons as a sacrifice, right? Um, that same day, they, the Nazarites, are to consecrate their head again. They must rededicate themselves to the Lord for the same period of dedication and must bring a year-old male lamb as a guilt offering. The previous days do not count because they became defiled during their period of dedication. I love this little section. It's good. And we think like, oh, they made a mistake. They messed up. They had an accident. Like whatever happened. What's so cool here is that what happens when someone makes a mistake as a Nazarite? There's a plan to get back. There's a plan to, of repentance and rededication to the Lord. So what God's saying here is, hey, I'm God. You're not. We're going to make mistakes. We're going to have imperfect moments. You know, temptation. We fall into temptation. Even like it says, even accidentally, if someone dies in their presence, what happens? God made a way for them to get back to Him. And so that's ultimately what He's trying to do with His whole Nazarite vow, right? He's drawing His people closer to Him to seek Him. And so the last thing He wants is to say, "Oh, sorry, you're done. Oh, too bad, so sad." No, He's saying if something happens and you can't fulfill your vow, repent, rededicate yourself, and try again. He's not a God of, oh, sorry, nice try. He's a God of second chances, of third chances. And what's so cool is even in this, this very detailed, very specific vow, he makes a way that if something happens, okay, change it, fix it, and come back again. And that's what's so cool about, you know, having a time to draw closer to God. We, we all know how, how Daniel fast goes, right? We may slip up. We may have a, you know, slow temptation. We may have a moment of weakness. But he's like, it's okay. Come back. It's all he wants to do is to come back. Uh, verse 13 through 15 talks about what happens when the dedication is over, right? When you get to the end celebration. Uh, now, this the, um, now, this is the law of the Nazarite. When the period of the dedication is over, they are to be brought to the entrance of the tent of meeting. They are to present their offerings to the Lord. A year old male without lamb, a year old male without defect for a burnt offering, a year old you lamb without defect for a sin offering, a ram without defect for a fellowship offering, together with the grain offerings and drink offerings, and a basket of bread mixed made with the finest flour and without yeast, thick loaves with olive oil mixed in, and thin loaves with brushed with olive oil. So I think what's so cool about these verses, if you see the ceremonial beginning as well as ceremonial end to the Nazarite vow, which really reinforces the intentionality of someone seeking and serving God. I mean, if you've been following Soaping with us, like I said, the last few days, hopefully, hopefully you're catching on to that, that theme of intentionality that God has for his people. And so not only are you taking the intention, intentional time to, to begin your vow by growing your hair and doing purification rites, but also even ending the vow too. It's very much uh, of a, a personal touch, very much of a purpose behind everything you're doing. And something else is really special too, so the sacrificial requirements to complete this vow were expensive. Having, you know, you need to have a year-old male lamb and a year-old lamb you and a ram and the usual and the, the grain and drink offerings. Like, that's a lot. And so what's really cool about completing this vow is because it was such an expensive undertaking, often a wealthier family member, a wealthier Jewish member would actually sponsor a poor Nazarite to complete their vow. We actually see this in the book of Acts. Um, in the book of Acts, uh, book 20, uh, 21, verses 20 through 26, we read about how um, Paul is coming to the church and doing different things. 
um, how the church people in church are like, hey, we're so excited you're here, Paul. But there are some people who don't believe you're really as dedicated as you say. Some people who think you're trying to tell them to turn away from customs, trying to, you know, to to too much, too much culture shock for them. Um, and so so they write to Paul and they say, What shall we do? You are certainly here that you have come to do what we tell you. There are four men with us who have made a vow. Take these men, join in their purification rites, and pay their expenses so that they can have their head shaved. A little bit further down, it says, The next day, Paul took the men and purified himself along with them. Then he went to the temple to give notice of the date when the days of purification would end, and the offering would be made for each of them. So even Paul, the apostle in the New Testament, we see he's joining with the purification and the payment of these four uh, four men, we, we assume to be Nazarites. As a sign of unity in the church, to try and show those who are doubting his ministry, hey, I'm here, I'm with you. That's what's so cool. And again, how do we how do we prove who we serve? How do we show our priorities in life? How do we prove that we won't be a part of building up God's church? Is it, is it how we use our resources to bless and honor one another? And even though something like this, when someone's coming and saying, hey, I want to be a part of what God's doing in my life. Hey, I want to, you know, um, I'm saying you know, to seek God and to seek him in a certain way, but I feel like I'm not qualified enough. I don't have the money. I don't have the resources. I don't have whatever it may be. There's other people alongside us who come alongside us to build up biblical community and support one another. So the Nazarites, you know, the Nazarites serving in, in the in God's house and they're sacrificing, but they're also humbling themselves too to say, hey, I want to do this, buying some help. And that's when we as a some other else in the church gets to come alongside them to bless someone, to bless and sponsor someone. We should see this a lot of time in Freedom Conference, right? We have an amazing freedom ministry here at Fusion. And we have people, hey, I've been saying 12 weeks apart. I've been coming to God. I've been seeking him. I'm trying, you know, to move and, and, and see what God wants for me. But I can't afford the conference. And so we have people that sponsor people to go through the conference and partner alongside them with what God's doing in their life. Amen. And same thing here. People, hey, I'm serving God's house. I'm sacrificing. People who are putting their time and their energy into something. And so having someone to come alongside them and put their treasure behind their time and their, their talent and their serving, it's what builds the kingdom up. It's not one-sided, one person at a time. It's coming together in community. Amen. Uh, verses 20, 16 through 20. It talks about the different offerings, right? The priest presents all these things to the Lord. Um, and then we go through the purification process. He's to present the basket of unleavened bread, and, and this is to sacrifice the ram as a fellowship offering to the Lord, together with the grain offering and drink offering. Then the entrance to the tent of the meeting, the Nazarite must shave off the hair that symbolizes their dedication. They have to take the hair and put it in the fire that is under the sacrifice of the fellowship offering. After that, after the Nazarite has shaved off their hair that symbolizes their dedication, the priest is to place in their hands a boiled shoulder of the ram and one thick loaf and one thin loaf from the basket, both made without yeast. The priest shall then wave these before the Lord as a wave offering. They are holy and belong to the priest. Together with the, with the breast that was waved and the thigh that was presented. After that, the Nazareth may drink wine. So we see here, we see three kinds of offerings. We see a sin offering for purification, a fellowship offering for being set apart and consecrated to God, as well as the shaved hair offering. It's a symbol of completion of their vow and their service. And what's so cool is that the fire for these sacrifices and it's not just made to, to cook the meat or to burn the hair. It's also a symbolization of purification, of refining, right? 
So the Lord's done something incredible over this, this Nazarite vow uh, of the 30 or 60 or 100 days, whatever it may be, of this, this Nazarite's um, service. And so this final ceremonial uh, closing out of the vow is a, is a uh, ceremonial refining and, out, again, outward expression of inward change, right? Seeing like, you know, even coming through the fire with God, we've been going through a season of separation, of uh, purification. And so this physical fire is symbolizing what happened on the inside of someone's life. And it's also really cool because part of um, you know, the animal and bread sacrifices that were, were given, once the, the ceremony is over, the Nazarite actually will receive a portion of that back. So when, when they receive a portion of that back to themselves, they would take it back home to their, their families or their friends and they have a feast. They would celebrate what they just went through together as a Nazarite with, with their family and their friends. And so it's not just breaking bread and serving the priests and giving them and God, you know, their portion. So it's coming back home to and taking time to break bread with your family and your friends. Again, taking time to celebrate and communion with God's people. And that's things, you know, God calls us for a season of separation or consecration or, you know, something, something to be set apart. But it's not forever. It's a season, right? So God calls us to be separated. He also calls us back into community. And we see both those things happening here. We say, hey, consecrate for 30 days. Don't go, you know, don't drink wine at parties, you know, set yourself apart from, from funerals and, and family events. But when this is over, go back to your family, celebrate, bring joy, bring, bring a good meal, you know, and taking time to press into God and then press into community. Amen. Um, verse 21 says, this is the law of the Nazarite who, who vow, this is the law of the Nazarite who vows offerings to the Lord in accordance with their dedication, in addition to whatever else they can afford. They must fulfill the vows they have made according to the law of the Nazarite. And so we talk about, we might not hear about Nazarites nowadays. We don't hear about people, you know, um, doing Nazarite promises. We might think it's too religious or too outdated, but the reality is we're still called to be set apart and consecrated in service to God. It's not an Old Testament mindset, right? This is something we've seen in the Old Testament, but also in the New Testament, in the book of Romans, Romans 12. Um, ironically, which is written by Paul. And who is Paul? Paul's the guy that paid, remember in the book of Acts, he paid for the Nazarite vows of those other four men. So it's Paul himself in writing this, and not just through his word, but his actions, it's actually bridging the gap between the Old and the New Testament ideologies. And Paul says in Romans 12, therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view, of, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. In the Amplified Version, um, it says, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of, of God, to present your bodies, dedicating all of yourselves, set apart as a living sacrifice, holy and well-pleasing to God, which is your rational, logic, intelligent act of worship. And do not be conformed to this world any longer with the superficial values and customs, but be transformed and progressively changed as you mature spiritually by the renewing of your mind, focusing on godly values and ethical attitudes, so that you may, so that you may prove for yourselves what is the will of God, that is that which is good and acceptable and perfect in his plan for you. So we see, again, the, the bridging of, it's not just, hey, not just Old Testament, Nazarite, whatever it may be. It's also New Testament, Paul speaking and saying, hey, 
whether you're following Nazareth vows or New Testament, New Covenant with through Jesus, set yourself apart, be consecrated. Do you know set yourself to seek God in a way apart from what the world's world's gonna tell you to do, right? So what was the summary of our Nazarite vows we talked about? Nazarite vow is a period of setting themselves apart from the behavior and mindset of the world, denying their fleshly, denying their, the flesh, the worldly sweetness and fruitfulness, committing to intentional outward expressions of their faith, and seeking eternal life over earthly death. Right there. Old, new, today's world even, right? Bridging the gaps of, of hundreds or thousands of years of theology and ideologies and religious mindsets, but saying, hey, look, when you boil it down to it, seek God. God, God's seeking you, so seek him back, amen? And again, whether you want to call yourself a Nazarite or not, you are being called to follow that heart of worship, the heart of purification, the heart of servanthood behind that Nazarite vow, amen? And not only alongside as, as individual, at being separated, but alongside others, right? We heard about with celebration and fellowship and sacrificial support, coming together as God's body. So it's not just me doing it by myself. I'm doing it with, you know, how many people on the Zoom, you know, 50, 60 people on the Zoom with us right now. So we're coming alongside each other as 50 or 60 people coming together to, to pour in and see what God's going to do. And so how God wants to, you know, to, to build his kingdom through building each other up. Amen. And the best, but the absolute best part about this, this new, you know, consecration we get to have in, uh, we read about in Romans, the best part is that we can come before God to be set apart, knowing that if we mess up, we don't have to bring doves and pigeons. If we mess up, we don't have to, you know, at the end of our, our vow, end of our time together of, of intentionally seeking God, we don't need to bring lambs and ewes and rams, all this kind of these things, because he brought Jesus. Because Jesus is the one true, perfect sacrifice. He's the only sin offering, fellowship offering, purification offering we need before God. So we, we have the easy part, guys. We have the easy part done for us, right? All we have to do is, is seek God. He takes care of all the rest. We, we seek God with our time, our talent, our treasure, and the sacrifice has already been made. So we can take this time, you know, to, to consecrate ourselves, to seek him, and to, to see what he wants to do in our lives without the pressure of sacrifices, without the pressure of, of you know, trying to figure out sponsorships for to get rams and ewes and doves. No, that's where Jesus already stepped in. And again, that's the beauty of the gospel. That's the beauty of God's truth and his purpose in our lives and his gift of Jesus is that he makes it so, so easy for us now to people to seek him and to find him. Amen. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Right. All right. So we're wrapping up. I just want to, uh, before we go, I just read to the end of um, the last uh, bit of book, the book here. So close out a couple questions. Um, as we reflect, as we you know, go into the week, we go into our morning now. How is God calling you to be set apart today? In your home, in your workplace, in your school? How can you live with a Nazarite mentality? Even if you're not following the religious guidelines and rules. If, you know, if you go uh, out shopping today, or you go, if you're in Wawa, you grab a, a glass of grape juice. Great, grab your, your, your glass of grape juice. But while you're in Wawa, how are you going to set yourself apart? While you're, you know, going to your workplace, how how is, and maybe maybe your hair is, you know, nicely done up and everything, your hair looks nice today, but in your workplace, how are you still reflecting that, that consecration and God's calling you to in a new way? What sin or fellowship or purification offering can you make today or this week 
or this next season to draw closer to God. Again, we don't need to have animal sacrifices. We were still calling to make an offering. We're still calling to make some kind of sacrifice of what to see what God wants to do in our lives, right? So what can you make today to, to you know, move past that sin in your life, to grow in deeper fellowship with God, to purify your heart and your mind and your spirit in a greater way, to see God move in a greater way? All right. And before we go, I'll pray over, I'm going to pray us out. I actually want to pray out uh, the priestly blessing over you. So what's so cool about the priestly blessing um, is that Lord tells Moses to tell Aaron and his, his sons, the priests, this is how you bless the Israelites. But again, like we just heard about from the Nazarite promises, God makes way for all of us, whether you're a son of Aaron or not, to be a priest. He makes a way for all of us to be leaders in our homes, our families, our church. And so when we see this priestly blessing, that's a blessing for you and for me. And for us, you know, for our, to say over our kids, over our coworkers, over our, our classmates, you know, this is something we get to say as, as a blessing over not just our families, but the church family. Amen. Because we don't need to wait for the Aaron and the priests. God gives us the, the, the right through Jesus and through, through purification to be a part of what he wants to do and, be, and to lead others and bless others. So, um, so I'm going to read this and pray this over you guys. Um, but I want to pray it in the Amplified Version. It's a little bit different. It's really beautiful, though. So, the Lord bless you and keep you, protect you, sustain you, and guard you. The Lord make his face shine upon you with favor and be gracious to you, surrounding you with loving kindness. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you with divine approval and give you peace, a tranquil heart and life. Lord, just Aaron and his sons put your name upon the children of Israel, the power and the authority of Jesus, our perfect and living sacrifice. I pray over your people under the sound of my voice, God, and ask that you be faithful and true to your word to bless them, bless their families, bless their homes, their workplaces, their schools, God, their cars, wherever they're listening to this, God, their gyms. Lord, bless your people as they need you most today. Let your face shine upon them, Lord, with grace, with favor, with loving kindness, and open them up, God, to the fullness of what you have for them. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right. So nice seeing you all. Happy Monday. It's a blessing to spend time with you, and we'll see you soon. Have a blessed day.